Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionize your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast series, and I'm really, really pleased to have Andrea Pinchin with me today, who's the CEO at the Leicester Tigers. Um, Andrea and I were both speaking at an event for HSBC a few weeks back, and I thought, what a fascinating person she'd have on the podcast series. So really, really pleased to have her here. She started her career uh, in sales at AXA Healthcare, and then went on to an 11-year position at Emirates um, which I, I really like Emirates as, a, as an airline, actually, to be honest. And But Andrea's responsibility was around leadership training. And then she's been 18 years at Leicester Tigers through head of commercial, chief op- operating officer. And then May 2020 became the CEO just after we went into lockdown for the <laughs> pandemic. So an interesting time for Andrea. And then for the first time in over 10 years, Leicester Tigers win the premiership title at the end of the 21-22 season. So a really fascinating journey. Well, welcome, Andrea. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much. And thanks for asking me to uh, to be a part of it. And hopefully I won't let you down after say, building me up saying that, uh, <laughs> you know, we were talking together at an HSBC event. Hopefully this will be interesting for you. It'll be 100% interesting. <laughs> so let's start off, let's go straight into it. So as, as I just mentioned, uh, for, for rugby fans out there, they'll know this, but people maybe not so interested in rugby. And Leicester Tigers were had a really amazing year 21-22 and won the Premiership. What do you think, Andrea, were some of the sort of things that made a difference in terms of uh, building the team and the club and, and reaching that pinnacle at the end of the 21-22 season and what do you think was the contrib- contributing factors to that? Well I think I think there's, there's so much that goes into getting you to that that one end goal you know so certainly in sport it's it's highly visible um, it's about winning silverware at the end of the season doesn't mean if you don't win, win silverware that you've not been successful in in the business side of the sport so commercially you could you could be successful um, but a lot of it is very publicly measured on on whether you make finals whether, whether you're lifting silverware and there was so much work that went in behind the scenes actually for probably a good two years prior to to that event happening um for us we had lost our weight so there was a lot to reset a lot to put right um and i think covid for for lots of businesses and and people it kind of made us um reevaluate certain things it gave us the time to reevaluate which is perhaps what we don't afford ourselves enough of whether it's as individuals or, or businesses um but it, it certainly enabled us at Leicester Tigers as a business to be able to have a look what's gone wrong for us what do we need to do more of what do we need to do less of what do we need to absolutely rip up and throw away and then how do we drive forward and take everybody with us so so I think it started a long time before that and so much so much went into to everybody achieving that sort of ultimate goal yeah it's brilliant to hear that because I think that that's something that can get I, I think from my experience working with leaders in business generally I think that patience piece that things aren't necessarily going to happen overnight it's really good that you yeah. pointed that out that the journey 
to that 22 victory, I guess, really started in May 22 for you when you took it over and started to. And it's so simple things, isn't it, Andrea? As you said, what, what, do, we, what do we need to do more of? What do we need to do less of? Yeah. I often ask the question myself, what's going well? What's not going so well? It's, it's making, I guess, in a way, it's bringing things back to more simplistic analysis of where the problems are, what needs fixing, really, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, and I think I think as leaders, Tony, that what what we what we don't do um, perhaps so well is allow ourselves the time and the headspace to really look at that because I think you could you you can get so involved in what you're doing, and so many people when you're a leader, you know. If, if you've got your office door open or you're walking through the office, everyone's very much like, can I just, can I, and, and constantly it's coming at you. And we, we need to be able to find time ourselves for that headspace so yeah. that we can sit and, and, and do those, uh, do those bits where we analyze and, and, you know, have our ideas, have our, right. Am I on the right path? Is the strategy still working? And I, and I think, you know, to, to be able to allow yourself time. Um, and say it's okay if you're not in a meeting or you're not answering somebody's question doesn't mean you're not working there's so much more to it about being a leader and to allow yourself the ability to be able to do that oh i i love that i did a post on linkedin last week about the power of the pause yeah um because again i'm just talking to leaders generally i think often as you said it's heads down task list get on with things yeah, yeah. and almost the, the reason i did the post was uh, there was a woman who was a marketing manager i spoke with last week and, and i was talking to her about having a break at lunch and going for a walk and she go oh, i can't really afford to take time out to go for a walk at lunchtime yeah, yeah. and what i shared with her and, and in the post as well because i did some neuroscience training last year it was interesting that the brain operates at different frequencies and often it's operating at quite a high frequency when we're in tasks that need a lot of um i guess concentration analysis yeah you slow your brain down then it hits a frequency where you're more creative and we know this a lot of us don't we if you're having a shower going for a walk you often have your best ideas so yeah. Yeah. i love that you've 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 defined that andrea about yeah. time and headspace is actual really important time it's not time yeah. wasted so yeah, definitely, definitely. What would you say? I mean, as you said, there was lots to put right. If you were to say the two or three most important things that were put right, what do you think they would have been? Um, I think um, the, a big thing for us was about um, transparency. So, and from that comes a multitude of other things, comes your trust. Um, you know, people can see what you're doing. People can ask you anything. And I think just making sure that you're taking people on the journey with you and, uh, you know, that, that there will be, unfortunately, people that don't want to come on it or that really don't see the same vision. Um, and, and that needs addressing. But, I think all, all too um, often leaders that we've got our vision, we've got our strategy, we're all guns blazing because we've been talking about it and thinking it through so much. We presume that everyone else kind of knows what's going on, you know, sort of like telepathically, they know what we're thinking. Um, and just doing that sense check that is everyone clear of where we want to get to 
why we want to get there. So it's not just some random thing that I've thought up while I've been running on a Sunday morning. You know, why do we want to to achieve the goals that we've set? And then what's their part in it? And really having that openness and transparency where they are um in a safe environment to ask any question, to challenge in the right way, in a, in a constructive way as to, um, you know, the whys, the whats, have we thought about doing something differently? But ultimately to get to the end result thinking, you know, I played a part in that. I was responsible for my part in this rather than it was all just, you know, the players lifting the trophy. It was all down to the 23 players on that day. Well, of course, they played a blinder and that was great, but there was so much more that all the backroom staff, all the, all the commercial staff, all the medics, everybody that you can think of, whether you're uh, the car park attendant, whether you're the cook, and um, whether you're the kit man, there's so much that goes into um, us being able to achieve achieve our goals. And I think that the biggest lesson was the transparency, which in in turn then creates trust and in turn creates buy-in and you start that that real positive and and effective ball rolling. Yeah, again, I love that. I think there's um, there's a a team uh, or... A team trainer that I know, Colin Moby, uh, who's in my sort of network, we've become friends really. But he um, he uses the word involve rather than engage when he talks. And I, I must admit, I've, and I, I credit him again now because I've hijacked it a bit because I love it. Because <laughs> I think I'm just, I'm just writing that down. <laughs> yeah, it's good because um, I think engagement. And I was funny enough, I was reading a book at the weekend, Andrea, and I think the problem can be sometimes with strategy. And and to be fair, you people like yourself you've got to have some uh, initial thoughts, ideas. But often I think strategy in businesses can be a bit too much top down. So it's almost we've decided what the strategy is. We're we're telling you what it is. Off you go. Um, And that's seen as engagement, but that involvement word as well. Mm -hmm. Bringing people in early on in the discussions on strategy. Because I think particularly in, in the business world, the people who are out there on the front line have an incredible amount of experience and yes. knowledge to input yeah. into the thoughts on strategy. And um, I, and I love that. I've, I've worked with smaller businesses where we get the whole team together and just start yeah. laying out yeah. what, the, what the vision is for the for the organisation and what have you. But yeah. as you said, it's it's getting people to understand whether they want to be on board, I guess, Andrea, as well as yeah. like you yeah. said, and then what's their part. Um, but that transparency word is it's critical really because trust is so important isn't it i think i've seen surveys where trust is often sort of top three or four characteristics of a leader what what people Mm. look for in a leader Mm. and that's obviously feels like it's been a really big focus for you isn't it i've been it's been massive and that had eroded so you know i'm not sitting here from a position of saying look at everything we've done right you know prior we did a lot of things um not so good and and there was a lot of whispering in corridors and and a real closed door policy and you didn't really know what was going on and and what tends to happen um and, and this is both internally with with your your internal stakeholders but for for us as a business that's in the public eye you know very much externally and with the press and the media that if you leave voids people fill them yeah yeah, yeah. they fill them with 
is normally um, a lot worse, a lot um, bigger, a lot more um, challenging than actually what the reality is. So suddenly something that, um, you know, has really been a, a relatively small piece, you leave a void, people talk about it, it gets this steamroller effect, and suddenly you've got a big issue on your hands where actually you just talk to somebody and be open and be transparent. And it negates all of that negative energy. And ultimately, if people are expending a lot of energy on the gossip or the worrying or the, the being concerned, then all that energy that's, that's being wasted, you know, I want that energy going into the business. I want all that being flipped into a positive for, for, for the club. So look, ask me anything and I'll tell you if I can. And if I can't, I'll tell you why. Um, there is no reason for anybody to be guessing or worrying about anything. Let's, let's have the conversations. Yeah. Brilliant. And you and I were speaking before we started recording that I've, I've got really inf- fascinated with how our survival instinct can play out. And the thing is, whether we like it or not, whether we're doing it consciously or unconsciously, we're constantly monitoring what's going on for potential threats, things that could go, could go wrong. And so we, unfortunately, you know, the human species is still very fear based, really. And as you said, and I love that quote, um, that if you lead a void, people will fill it mm-hmm. because they're, tendency and and survival thinking can distort things over exaggerate Mm. problems imagine things and so as you said andrea if you leave um, a void then people that unfortunately they'll probably fill it in a more pessimistic way than an optimistic way i think that tends to be yeah um, you're right yeah certainly in my experience that that that's been the case and i think you know one one of the biggest learnings for me was certainly when I took over and you're in the in the thick of, of the pandemic just starting and all our business had stopped you know sport had stopped we were all in lockdown you know I mean it seems bizarre doesn't it that you look back now and we were all told stay at home and you can go out for an hour a day to exercise and we we're all like oh okay then and we all did it I mean it, it seems like you were watching a film or something but at the time you you were you know, certainly for my formative days of the, of being a CEO, I, I was certainly on crisis management for, for, uh, for a number of months. And then you get to the point where you have to alongside that because you do need to manage your business out of the crisis that you're in. But what you want to do is make sure that when you come out the other side, because sure as hell we will, that you come out the other side and you need to be in a strong position to drive forward. You can't just come out the other side and then say, Oh my God, I'm absolutely done in because I've been spending every waking hour trying to keep the business afloat. And and, you know, now what? So so, so you've got to be able to come out and, and hit the ground running. And I think getting people on board, making sure that, you know, they they um, or, or building that trust. So what, one of the key things for me, when we were able to, uh, our stadium side was, was closed down completely. And we were obviously cost cutting and saving a lot of money uh, by keeping it closed and people working at home. But when our players had to come back into the training facility, I then went and put myself in a pool with them and we were testing every day COVID testing every day and 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 in a bubble with these guys and all of the backroom staff that go go to putting a team on I was working with them at the training facility and literally hot desking wherever there was a spare desk or a perch I would perch myself and initially there was this real kind of like 
And, oh, well, hold on a minute. We've got a, a new CEO, albeit that I've been in the business and she's sitting next to me and I'm an analyst or I'm a physio or I'm a whatever I may be. What's she doing sitting at the desk next to me? Is she watching what I'm doing? Is she, well, well, I am, but only because I want to learn. I need to learn what you're doing. I need to understand this side of the business because I've come over from the commercial mm-hmm. side. And it was really important to explain to them why I was doing that. This isn't about me looking over your shoulder at you. This is about me saying to you, I need you to help me. I need you to teach me all about what you do. And then we can, you know, have a look. And I think that that certainly helped build relationships and build that trust piece. And that's good as well. I mean, that, that, that just shows the importance you saw in really from ground up getting an experience of, of how people were working perceiving yeah. things it's getting into other people's worlds isn't it andrea and um yeah, and, as, and as you said rather than them feeling threatened quickly shifting their perspective on things to say no actually i'm just trying to understand here what's going on and yeah. uh, how, how yeah. things work and i loved what you i think it was really powerful what you said a few minutes ago actually about when you're in a crisis situation not getting totally engulfed in crisis thinking, but still having an eye on the longer term. And I think that is something that is a danger for some leaders that when there's a crisis, as you said, you get engulfed in getting through the crisis and you get through the crisis, but you've lost sight of the longer term piece as well. And it's an incredible balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. I think like we were saying earlier, Tony, it's like, like, you know, when, when you are, um, it's allowing yourself that headspace just because you're not head down, you know, like working and and doing uh, and being task orientated, that looking up, sitting back and thinking, you have to have this inner dialogue with you. So that's okay. In fact, it's more than okay. It's absolutely vital, but it's almost like giving yourself permission that that it it's okay to do that. You need to do that. So if somebody's walking by the office and and you know you're not sort of head down in in the middle of a of a task, um, it's because you need that headspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, brilliant. Love it. And I think that's such a such a critical point to take away from this another another question just before we sort of move off the whole premiership win and <laughs> and that kind of area is i don't know we're getting into general stuff anyway but um this this season we were just talking we we're having this podcast interview off the back of a, a loss at home at the weekend these things happen um but yeah what about when you've reached that pinnacle, like the 21-22 season, and you got yourself up to win the Premiership again after a number of years, um, and what about if this season you end up second in the Premiership? How will you view that, and how will you help other people view that? I think um, one, of, one of the key factors that, that we all buy into here, and this is on the playing side as well as the commercial side, that what we're about is that every day – we want to get better. So um, we won because there were so many things in place for us to be successful last season that we worked really hard across the board for that. We made a lot of changes. There was a little bit of luck here and there, and it culminated in, in us winning. But if we can sit and say that by the end of this season, we have improved and we've got measures to show that we've improved, then do we want to be lifting silverware? Of course we do. But actually, if we don't, that doesn't mean that we've not had a successful year. 
if we can be there to compete and be in the fight, uh, both off the field and on the field. So we want to be the best at, at, at providing hospitality at a sporting venue. We want to be the best at conferencing or events or whatever it may be we're doing. We want to be the best at rugby because, of course, that's our core product. We're introducing our women's team. So um, we're wanting to get more schools and, and kids playing sport and, 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 and coming at that from a rugby angle. So one of the big drivers for us this uh, this year is that when you look at um, uh, Leicester schools on the curriculum, there were probably, I believe, something like five or six schools out of about 65 that had any kind of rugby on their curriculum. So we've gone and, and sort of gone out into the community and say, we'll come in and teach some PE or some education, get kids moving. If it's inner city schools and you don't have green fields, we'll do uh, a programme that we call Concrete Rugby. Obviously, you're not tackling and it's, it's young kids, but it's getting people to be fit and active, learning numeracy and literacy by you know this is how much you you get if you score a try and then you convert and it's a real big piece about going into the community and achieving those goals as well that ultimately feeds into what we're doing so so it's such a huge big um beast if you like at, at tigers with, with with so many different elements to it that that we all want to win silverware every year um but there's so much more um, on top of that or besides that, that that's going on behind the scenes so it's just about each of us no matter what you're doing getting better every day and um, being this I don't know if I spoke about this at HSBC but we always refer to a battery so you've got a picture of a battery very very simple picture you've got your positive and your negative and nobody that you um that have a touch base with in your day at work, be it internal or external, will have a neutral effect on you. Nobody, whether that's, you know, somebody driving a little bit erratic on your way in and you getting a little bit wound up in your car or whether it's, you know, your parking space or whether it, it may be, I don't know, something somewhere has gone wrong or gone right. Every element will have either a positive or negative effect. And what we ask for all of our people here, no matter what you do, is that you question yourself continually and that you make sure on balance that what you're doing is putting into that positive rather than draining out. So it's just something that we will constantly challenge people. Where are you within that battery today? Yeah, you did reference that when I saw you speak. And I yeah. guess that's um, the essence of building a positive culture, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, and I guess, though, to, to be honest as well, though, adding on to that, it would be uh, how do you react to things that go on, uh, you know, for less to, in all those different aspects that you spoke yeah. about? Because yeah. c- certain things will go well, certain things will go not so well. And I guess you want yeah. that positive energy to turn difficult situations around and obviously you had a hugely difficult one literally two months after the lockdown you were into the CEO position and you had to make I know know you've referenced before you had to make some pretty tough decisions so yeah it was a big part of that that's that's excellent though that that broad look at what success looks like because I think that's that I suppose that was my question in a way if you were to come second or lower this season yeah I think often in premiership football there are really quick decisions made and I I certainly myself would question some of those because maybe they're not looking at 
some as you said there's building work there's foundation work there's work in the community there's the hospitality and confidence yeah. side there's all yeah. of those different things and it taps in. i don't know if you've ever heard of uh, carol dweck a psychologist but she she did a book called mindset which talks about growth mindset fixed mindset and um i like what you were talking about there about every day getting better because mm. in her philosophy she talks about how you deal with mistakes how you deal with challenges how you deal with uh, negative feedback all of these things that you can push yourself through with a different mindset to having a fixed mindset and it sounds like you're really trying to instill a growth mindset in everybody Andrew in terms of moving forwards all the time moving yeah forward the time I think forward. it's in, it's important isn't it because like especially in in my industry if you like so you know we we lost a, a pretty big game for us on on Saturday we lost at home for the first time in 16 months or something and um, you're in front of your home crowd um and you do you do feel I'm I'm a dreadful loser and I'm meant to say oh well you know I'm meant to be very magnanimous in defeat oh, I don't feel like that at all um but you know you 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 have to just temper that expectation and understand that everyone's kind of looking at you for a lead as to it's all right to feel disappointed it's all right to feel you know oh god we should have won that or we could have won that and um, it's okay to recognize those emotions but rather than dwelling on them it's it's being able to 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 turn that around and get everyone to come with you to say, okay, so what didn't go well for us? What did we not do? Uh, what part of the game plan didn't we play to or, or couldn't we execute to the right way? Recognizing what they, that may be, uh, and then starting to put that right. So again, switching that mindset to, yeah, you know, you, you, you have a period of time where you're disappointed and you've got to recognize that you can't just brush that under the carpet. It doesn't do anybody any good, but, but very quickly you've got to switch that into how do we how do we you know push on and get better the flip side to that we had um a huge october fest event on at the club pre and post game we had a really big crowd that that came and actually sort of from the commercial side it was a huge success as a day um so again it's just it's just balancing those two yeah, and, and for you, it was interesting there because I guess for somebody like you, there is disappointment, but you've got to go to the positive end of that battery quite quickly. Yeah. You've got to energise other people. And um, yeah. it's all well and good with authentic leadership, isn't it, showing how you feel, but you need yeah. to move quickly into a yeah. place where you've got to energise. And that, that battery analogy is a good one because it's moving out of that quickly. Yeah, and, yeah, and, it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, love that. Um, right, so another question then. Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've faced in your various roles of, of leadership over the years, and Andrea? What what kind of things do you think you've found most difficult in leadership roles? Um, I think that um, it's it's always tough making those hard. De- well, actually, let let me rephrase that. It's not tough making the decisions it's tough implementing them because you all know that we have to make decisions that aren't going to be palatable 
but that are for the best and for for, for driving them on. And uh, and I suppose it's learning the best way to do that and the right way and and the most um, uh, respectful way to put those um, decisions across. So, for instance, one of the very early days when I took over because of COVID, unfortunately, um, it, it, very unique in in, in the sporting uh, world, but we had to um, ask all staff to take a 25% pay cut um, because we had no income coming in and a big wage bill. Um, and, and along with that, we also had to make 31 staff members redundant. So, um, so there, there were big challenges. Um, and there's no book on this, right? There's going to be a global pandemic. This is what's going to happen overnight. Your gates are going to close and you're going to have to just speak to all the players, all these superstars and say, Hey, can you take a 25% pay cut like me? Um, and then, you know, decide 30, 30 of your staff that, that, that are going to be made redundant. So there is no book that t- tells you or prepares you emotionally to be able to do that. But I think the worst thing is procrastinating and not making a decision because actually everybody is, is, it's the unknown. Everybody's waiting. Everybody's what's happening. It's all that insecurity, being unsure. You need to make your decision, not, not hastily, but make your decision with all the facts and make it and be sure that that it's the one that you want to do and then implement it as quickly as you can in the most effective and respectful way. And I think they're the big learnings, um, big challenges for me. I mean, we have over sort of, you know, half a million uh, uh, following on social media and and we, um, through video highlights and the rugby, we're, we're actually within 568 million households globally is aware of Leicester Tigers. So every decision that we make is being scrutinised by a lot of people and a lot of them think that they can do it a whole lot better than you can, of course. Um, <laughs> and social media, the best thing ever invented, the worst thing ever invented for all, all those reasons. And everyone has an opinion. And I think, you know, you, you can sit there sometimes as a leader and think, right, I've made that decision. Um, and a hundred people can agree with that very publicly and then one person oh she doesn't know what she's doing oh and that's really and that's the one you go to that oh and you start doubting yourself but i think you need to be able to to back up your decisions because you've made them with all the information that's relevant for that and you've sought advice from those that that it's applicable to to seek it from and that you action it and you action it well yeah, I can only imagine, actually, because, I mean, a lot of leaders have to make decisions, but they aren't under the scrutiny that you have to do. do you, what's your what's your philosophy with particularly with social media then, Andrew? Do you, do you best to ignore it or do you go on and have a look at what people have said about you? Or? So, so uh, everyone would say to me, right, in the early days, just don't read it. And I'm like, OK, of course, then... <laughs> And you just, I know, well, what are you doing? We don't, no, no, I'm not doing anything. But, um, so, so you read it and you get hurt. Of course you do. It's human nature when somebody has written something bad about us to be like, oh, no, you know, and, and, and we all want to be liked and all those things. And then pretty quickly you come to the realisation that 
you can't be all things to all people and that everyone quite rightly has an opinion and so they should because certainly for us as a sports club if people stop having an opinion that means they've stopped being passionate about your business and so on and so forth so absolutely have an opinion but um you know if if a hundred people can't agree with each other on twitter or or facebook then they're certainly not all going to agree with me. Um, and I think you've just got to make sure that the decisions you're making are within the best interest of your club with all of the information that you have to hand that other people may not be privy to. And I guess that comes back to the transparency piece, yeah. Andrea, to a yes. degree. Yeah. Um, do, do you feel that in your position as CEO, maybe maybe the club in general, do you think that Leicester Tigers are possibly more transparent with their fans than some of the clubs might be, or? Um, I, I hope so. We we have um, we have a sort of supporters group that that uh, that meets uh, very regularly, um, that anyone can apply to be on, and they kind of represent the supporters. And we benchmark things and say, look, we're thinking of doing this with season tickets, or we're thinking of doing this with the kit, and they give us some feedback on. And then we have open forums as well, which again any supporter can come to um, and ask anything. Um, and interestingly, as a, as a PLC, so we have our AGM coming up, uh, relatively soon. And the, the order of business for the PLC with all the shareholders, um, is over and done with really quickly. And then we say, ask whatever you want. And it, it becomes a supporters forum as opposed to an AGM based questions, really, because a lot of the shareholders who have got, you know, a small amount of shares are, are all supporters. So that can be anything from talking about catering on a match day to what's happening on the playing side. You never know what you're going to get asked. So it's always like, right, you're going into it. What's coming at me? But, uh, so, so I like to think. You know, people pose questions to us in, as individuals on social media. We don't respond in that way. Okay. It's so hard to be able to control that and get, in it, get into a dialogue. Yeah, but if, if anybody wants to ring, wants to say, can I come in and have a coffee with you, Andrea? Absolutely, yes. And talk to anybody or if anybody emails them, then we respond. So um, hopefully uh, our supporters think that, you know, we're, we're open and approachable. Yeah, well, that certainly sounds like a very open way of approaching things, really. Um, any other cha- I mean, you, you talked a lot about decision making there. Any, any other challenges you'd add to that that are sort of front of mind for you in terms of your experiences as a leader? I think um, one of the big personal challenges for me were um, that when we did have some players, some very um, high profile players who wouldn't accept the salary reduction, um, they were then let go by the club. And that was something that um, we'd spoken to them about and then announced publicly on uh, what we call a LTTV, Leicester Tigers television. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was probably one of my first forays into having a video interview that I knew would be seen by a lot of people. And I was so far out of my comfort zone. I can't 
tell you. <laughs> <laughs> now I could talk the hind legs off a donkey, but at, at the time, you know, having to, to face that and I wanted to face that. That was, you know, the, yes, the board, but my decision. Um, that's what we'd implemented it and uh, implemented. And I needed to own that. I didn't want just somebody to be announcing that generally from the club. I felt it was important that I owned what was happening. Um, I found that very difficult at the beginning. Yeah. Um, um, but, um, you know, if you don't push yourself out of your comfort zone, you're never going to, um, grow, are you? Well, that's true. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, I, I think for me personally, I think with comfort zones, uh, I think it, you're right, Andrew. I think having to do something like a video in- interview when you've not really been experienced, I can imagine how that puts you out of it. I guess what you don't want to go from, and I think some people do this is from comfort zone to almost like, panic and terror zone <laughs> by putting them too I, I was like that yeah it? yeah it sounds like <laughs> and, and then it, it's potentially getting the right sometimes I guess as a leader it's getting the right help and support to to get to that position or, or to be able to do that um, more effectively as well isn't it um yeah. and you, I think don't be don't, you know don't be afraid to sit and say oh, I, I I don't know that can somebody help me with that you know you don't just yeah, because yeah. you're given a title or, or, or a role it doesn't mean you have all the answers all the time yeah um, and and you know I, I have seen an experience where people will feel that they need to show that they know more. So we'll make a decision without actually asking the people at the coalface who, who are, you know, are the ones that can help you with the information to make that decision. Yeah. No, um, brilliant. So, so, yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. It's true. That, that sort of humility as a leader, isn't it? It is. It's, it's showing that vulnerability. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, for sure. Okay, so I just wanted to go off into we're talking about sort of challenges in a in a broader sense. There, um, I was mentioning to you before the program actually that I've become fascinated with our survival instinct, how that can play out a lot more than we might imagine. Um, for me, what I talk about is it can it can manifest in a few ways. But I, I talk about imposter syndrome. I'm not a big fan of imposter syndrome because I don't think anyone should label themselves. But I think people believe that they have imposter syndrome, and I think they definitely have moments where they think they're going to be found out in their position or become across as a fraud or what have you. So you've got that, got ego that can be quite damaging as well uh, to both self and other people. Defensive mindset, so that's not being able to take feedback well or recoiling when mistakes are made or that kind of thing. Spiraling negative self-talk, we're all talking to ourselves all the time and often those conversations aren't as productive as they might be. And the fifth one I've added on just lately is tribal behaviour because I've been seeing that a lot in organisations and that can be where certain people in a team might try and cause a more toxic culture and influence other people and you've almost got like a breakaway tribe within an organization Mm. but also you can use tribal behavior for good and and i think you've talked about a really good example of that almost everybody uh, around that sort of idea of the battery uh, energizing you Mm. can almost create um, a a tribe with everybody uh, that moves in a positive direction but just to uh, that was just a brief overview of the sort of five areas i talk about would you say that you've had challenges in any of those five areas and and what what which one would you 
pick out of those? Yeah, I, I think um, when I first took over, there was certainly an element of you know these these breakout tribal behaviours and and not for the for the good. Yeah. Um, and I think you know nipping that in the bud and, and really really trying to change that is is um, imperative for any organizer for your culture to, to to be able to grow and thrive and you know with with regards to um when it was covid it's very difficult to do that face to face because we were doing everything on zoom or teams weren't we so you weren't able to go and have those face to face conversations um but again, I think it's, you know, it goes back to if you're making decisions, that you make decisions, you act on them and you impart that information pretty quickly. But that's something that you need to be able to um, look somebody in the eye, even if it is over a, over a computer screen and, and challenge on and, yeah. and bring it to the fore. Um, and let, let's have honest dialogue. And now that's very uncomfortable for some people because, you know, people don't like, uh, to own something if they've been gossiping or said something out of turn or people don't like to, to, to own that. But I think it's really important that they know they'd be called out on it. Yep. So one of the, one of the key things, and I've, I've, I've done it for, for quite a number of years in my career, certainly when I was running sales teams and, and things that if there were sort of any negative connotations in there is that the whole team comes in, the door is closed and, um, they're expected to be really honest with each other to talk through the problem and no one leaves until it's sorted and they're very reluctant to start it so it'll be it, it'll be quite harsh because i'll be like well this is what i've heard you said this is what i've heard you've said so we might as well all talk and then it gets talking but i think as difficult as that is if people are aware that it's going to be nipped in the bud and that they aren't going to be able to get away with it and they have to work together. You don't have to like each other, but you have to respect each other, of course. Um, then I, I, I think that is, you know, that's, that's something that's really powerful to use. And as you say, you turn that into, um, good behaviors and those tribal behaviors and getting people following, um, can be a real impact on your business. We have a, um, emerge, what we call an emerging leaders group on both sides. So we have a, a young group of players who, who are on emerging leaders group and also some um sort of junior first time managers who um are all learning about their pathway and they've, they've been identified as um, leaders of the future within the organization and it's important that they're both trained and evolved and developed to talk the same language and be able to again be a benchmark for the executive or or for the board to say right this is the direction of travel what's your thoughts and um, the company conference that we're going to have um the emerging leader group are the ones that are going to put that together and deliver our new strategy um within our three year plan so so they know what it is but having that group and 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 the young group on both sides does start to gather momentum and take people with them yeah, love that. You know, I was, I was fortunate when, when I was experienced for 10 years and you reminded me because I was part of a group. They weren't called emerging leaders, but we were in effect, I guess, seen as the potential future board succession or directors, you know, that were part of the succession team for, for director positions. And I think involving us more in what was going on in the business was, was, I loved it, loved hearing that. And I think what you were talking about there as well, Andrea, um, is, Sometimes you've got to be ruthless. Well, like you talked about looking people in the eye, bringing people together, and it's almost 
bringing a culture out that people know they're going to be called out if they start mm. behaving. Because I think sometimes in organisation, I'm sure you've seen it, that that it starts to become the norm that that kind of thing isn't dealt with. Yes. And so people will carry on. So I think if you've got a culture where people know if they start backbiting, gossiping, toxic energy, mm. that they'll be mm. potentially called out. And I guess the other step, which is a big one, is people will be removed and dealt with if um, it's not just about skill, but it's about their attitude and character. And they yeah. will be um, there'll, there'll be some consequence for people doing that. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important. And um, it takes so much energy. Yep. Negative. Yeah. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. And all that that you're expending on doing things that aren't driving your business forward. Yeah. Um, go and do it in your own time. Yeah, you know, yeah. Go, 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 and if you want to be like that, go and be like that. That that doesn't affect your business whilst you're here, whilst you're at the club. You know, I expect that each and every one of you will want to drive the club forward. In return, we will help you. We will evolve you. We will train you. You know, we'll give you further education. We'll do all kinds of um, whatever it may be that you're looking for to fulfill yourself and, and grow your career. So it's not just a one way street, but, but equally it's, um, it, it's not distracting from what we're all trying to achieve. Yeah, that uh, that toxic energy can be really, as you say, draining. Um, and I think what, what I found, I've dealt with this in a couple of organisations over the past few months. I think if you've got those kind of individuals uh, influencing things, as you say, it's putting more effort and power into building the positive tribe, the the majority of the of the culture, and and you know, with your reference to the battery and the positive energy, I think that's yeah. good yeah. around that. Um, Another, well, getting probably towards the final couple of questions. So thank you. Thank you for, again, for spending your time today, Andrea. But what about, um, what kind of strategies do you have personally to put yourself in a, in a good headspace and deal with some of the negative things that might go with, with your own head to keep you more positive, keep you sharp? What, what kind of things work for you? It's all about perception, isn't it? You know, sometimes you can, you can, um, you know, lose your sense of perception and you have to be able to, to, to bring that, bring that back. And that was what I was referring to earlier about allowing yourself that headspace to do it. Um, I'm quite fortunate that I've got very, um, supportive, um, husband who will let me, if I need to vent, when I get home, <laughs> but he'll give me a very strict amount of time before before he's then like, right, that's enough. What are you going to do about it? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, fine, okay. I need to to um, you know, and I th- I think that that's massively helpful um when you've got that um and r- realistically, it's taking yourself away from um the office environment and everybody wanting to have a piece of you, if you like to be able to actually sit and talk through. I'm, I'm quite, um, I suppose, one, one, of the, one of the things I've learned is that whatever your immediate reaction is, you know, just just pause. Don't have to pause for very long and you'll soon find out if actually that is the right way to respond or or not. Um, I, I, I might if, if something has um, riled me. I, 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 I kind of relax about it pretty quickly and then try and find a solution for it. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I, I'm, one of my overriding philosophies in in my business, where I talk about, is um, think, see, do, which is simple, yeah. but it yeah. is the fact that 
a lot of us get too fo- focused on the doing. And when you talked about shifting or finding space to shift perspective, that needs um, that needs you to start thinking differently, to see your world differently. And then you go back to the doing piece with a better f- view of things, a better frame of mind. And again, you you talked about pausing. So powerful, I think, pausing in so many ways. I did a, I think I mentioned to you before we did the interview that I did a post on LinkedIn about the power of the pause. And it is so powerful, I think, just finding that little bit of space that might be in an emotional reaction to an email that's just come in your inbox to actually as you say taking yourself away from the office and mm. allowing yourself some time to look at the strategy and how you deal with a problem and and so power of the pause and, and as you say giving yourself headspace to see th- i guess ultimately see things differently isn't it andrea rather than yeah where you, your mind may automatically take you. I think so. That's it. It, it's seeing things and reacting and doing for, you know, we're veering, we're on our strategy, we're on our course, we know what we're doing, we're driving forward rather than reacting. Yeah, yeah. Wasting all that that time and energy on that. And, right. and it's very difficult because, you know, we've all got egos to to greater or lesser extent. So, you know, you, you can react, um, but um, but it's not about reacting. It's about acting. Probably. Yeah, no, absolutely. OK, uh, one final question then. What are your sort of hopes and dreams and ambitions for the future? Where 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 are you heading in the future then, Andrea? Well, I'm going to uh, be lifting some more silverware. <laughs> and that premiership <laughs> trophy was massive. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be polishing some more silverware. Um, look, I, I firmly believe, and I've been, I've been hugely lucky to, to work for, you know, the last sort of 18, 19 years here at Tigers. And I firmly believe that it is my job to, um, as, as did the rest of the board to, to leave this club in a better position than when, when we joined it and to really make sure that yes, from the rugby perspective, but also from the community side of things that, um, actually what we're delivering is, is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not, um, it's about fun here. We're in sport. It's about fun. It's about people enjoying themselves and getting fit and, and, and educating themselves. But, ultimately having a good time while they do it and and that's that's kind of the legacy we want to leave like that and that and i guess for you as a personal legacy if you whenever you retire or whatever that um you leave the club in a better place and then you found it and I, and as you say not just in terms of polishing more silverware but what it what's contributed to the community yeah. and also having built a place where people have had great careers and enjoyed themselves both i guess in the playing stuff and the, the stuff in general so yeah you want everyone to look back and have great memories don't you hard work yeah. challenging but really yeah. good memories yeah yeah brilliant hey andrea it's been an absolute pleasure again to, likewise tony thanks to, for asking me to listen to you but obviously be, to be able to ask some questions rather than just listen to you like i did at the hsbc <laughs> uh, and for people listening to uh the episode then obviously again check out the leicester tigers website and um i'm going to be looking i i said to you before actually i confide you, I've, I've never been to a rugby match before because i'm oh, we're going to change that football, no, cricket then, family yeah and then it'll get, get in your blood yeah i'll get i'll get there over this season um my wife's quite keen to come and see the leicester tigers play so i'll, I'll bring my wife and oh. but yeah thanks i know how valuable your time is uh so thank you hugely for for sparing some time today uh, and thanks for all your insights as well, Andrea, on your journey and, and what it's been like. And um, 
yeah, and I'll, I'll hopefully see you at a, at a rugby match in, in the coming months anyway. Thanks, Tony. If you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.